one of the pieces I read this morning said that really since the vaccines came out, the number of people who are going to be hospitalized and die is less of a scientific question and more of a cultural and political question. And that is really heartbreaking. And I do not want to take away from the severity of that at all. And I think that I'm just trying to figure out how to be a good citizen in this new landscape. This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. Here, everyone. We're so glad to be back with each other and with you. This will be a true catch-up episode. Sarah mm-hmm, and I have not mm-hmm. been in touch much at all over the past two weeks, except for a text message here and there. So we hope that you enjoyed our pre-recorded episodes the last two weeks, reflecting on the past year and setting intentions for this year. And we are delighted to be with each other and with you to talk about current events as we typically do here. So today we are going to begin by checking in on Kentucky and Colorado to talk about the storms and fires that have been just devastating. And then we're going to talk about COVID-19 because we just can't quit it. We really didn't miss a whole lot over the past two weeks because all of the news has been dominated by Omicron. So we'll talk about that. And then outside of politics, we're just going to tell each other and all of you what we've been up to for the last two weeks. Before we get started, we have a very important announcement to make in regards to our Extra Credit Book Club box. We've been doing the Extra Credit Book Club box with Wild Geese Bookshop for, I believe, two years. It's been an amazing journey and it's grown way beyond our expectations to the point that we think it might have outgrown us just a little bit, got a little bigger than all of the partners here at Pantsy Politics and Wild Geese Bookshop were prepared to deal with going into a new year. So this next book box will be the last with Wild Geese Bookshop. We're going to take a pause and focus on releasing our book. We'll have some really cool book boxes surrounding that in May. And then we're going to reevaluate, look at the numbers, look at how to make this more sustainable as far as shipping in particular, supply chain issues, you know, all the different logistical stuff that businesses across the country and the globe are dealing with and and bring some new energy to the Extra Credit Book Club in the second half of this year. So enjoy that last box. That's why the you can no longer sign up and subscribe to the Extra Credit Book Club box. We appreciate every single one of you that has subscribed and sent a lovely message and, you know, told us that it's your, the favorite thing you get in the mail. We can't possibly be more grateful for Tiffany and her team who were like, yeah, we'll ship out a couple boxes and then ended up shipping out 400 plus boxes. <laughs> we know that was an enormous lift every quarter and we're just so appreciative. And we look forward to what the next page. Ah, get, get what, do you see what I did? There? I like that. Mm-hmm. The next page um, will hold for the Extra Credit Book Club. Next up, we will get into the news that has been dominating headlines over the past two weeks. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. On Thursday, Colorado experienced the Marshall Fire. Louisville, Colorado, a very suburban area, experienced just an inferno. The weather had been extremely dry, which really created a tinderbox. The cause of this fire is still being investigated. The investigation is very complicated and has been made more so by the fact that now there's a foot of snow where the fire started. Mm -hmm. It is hard to contemplate what has unfolded there over just a very short span of days. We have a lot of factors at issue here. Climate change, population growth. There have been fires before. It's unusual to see fires in December. There have been dry spells before. It's unusual to see it this dry in December. So you have kind of a perfect storm of factors, as the governor of Colorado has described it, to create a really devastating situation for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, you know, Colorado is used to fires, but they're usually out in the forests, way far from populated areas. The governor in particular emphasized, like, this was a suburban fire. I read this crazy story in the dispatch where this woman was like, I was going to my nail appointment, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the cars were going in the opposite direction. So you don't see 
this sort of fire in a suburban area. Now, part of this is because Colorado has seen a huge population growth. The population of Superior, the dispatch talked about this, went from 250 in 1990 to more than 13,000 in 2019. So if people expanded in these areas that used to be, you know, forests that if there was a fire that swept through didn't affect a lot of people, well, now you have, you know, all these effects coming to play, climate change, population growth, and you have a 1,000 people losing their homes, just gone overnight. And I think the the trauma, the shock of that, you know, we're still dealing with that here in Kentucky from the tornadoes that we experienced in December. And I think that's, you know, that's why I thought it was so important for us to talk about in this first segment, because, you know, we're going to get into COVID and sort of this Omicron wave and how it shocked everybody. But part of like checking in and seeing how you're doing is acknowledging that that's not the only thing people are dealing with. And on top of a pandemic, you have people dealing with these extreme weather events that just everything changes like that. So you have this like slow rolling crisis in a pandemic. And then you have these like overnight, your house is gone. Your house, your community is gone on top of it all. And that is just an incredibly intense combination. And it is so hard to imagine a fire sweeping through where there's a Costco and a Target. I mean, it just, it's it's difficult to compute. I think the suburbs especially I mean, if I think about where I live, there is a real illusion that everything here is built to be just fine all the time in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And for a fire to break out in this way is really difficult. And I read some local reporting. There is a lot of intense speculation about how this fire started. And that is making it incredibly difficult for police. I'm sure that it creates an atmosphere of real tension in the community. Mm -hmm. So we'll continue to watch this story unfold. But for now, just sending a lot of care to everybody who's been impacted. And that's exactly what's happening in my community in Kentucky. So much care for the people affected by the tornadoes. The amount of, you know, conversations I've had over the holiday season. Well, Bethany Frankel's people are here. Well, Jose Andre is here. Well, here's this Instagram person that came in and gave a barber $30,000 to rebuild their barber shop. Like, I have been so touched by the amount of charity and giving and generosity exhibited towards the people of Western Kentucky from across the country and across the globe. But it's still just a long process. You know, now a lot of what the volunteer work is being focused on is just sorting the stuff coming in. There's just so much coming in to the people of Mayfield that sorting and storing and dealing with how to distribute all the goods and to the people that need them and to the people that need them most is like such an intense logistical operation. It's like I went to Mayfield probably a week after the tornado to visit my Casa kids. And it's like, what we really need when in a moment like this in Colorado or in Kentucky, whenever there's a natural disaster, is just like, I know that's technically what FEMA is, but it's like, send us all your best logistical ex- experts. Anybody who can think logistically, can you please come with as many power linemen as you can bring in your vehicles? Like, it's just, it's really interesting to watch the sort of waves of need and the waves of like, well, let's eliminate this crisis and this emergency and then let's. Let's sweep away as much of this as we can and just, but there's like a layer after layer after layer. I mean, even like with Colorado, well, now you have snow and frigid temperatures 
on top of the devastation from this wildfire. Like it's just, it's so intense. And it's really like you in, in the shock and the trauma, all you can do is take it day by day. Like that's the only thing available to you. Well, and in addition to all of those layers that would have existed anyway, parts of Kentucky were affected over the weekend by more Mm -hmm. storms and more tornadoes. And we're still really getting our arms around what the damage has been from those weekend storms. Governor Bashir has been talking about how there are communities that have been impacted three weeks ago and then impacted again this weekend. Lots of road closures throughout eastern Kentucky, just a wide swath of the southern part of Kentucky, along with other southern states in the United States, affected by storms this weekend. Yeah, because the weather's jacked. I don't know what your Christmas was like, but it was like 75 here. And now it's supposed to snow on Thursday. It's jacked up. Those wild swings from 70 to 30. Not only do they make us all sick, I'm going to get into that in my catch up on outside of politics, but it also really messes with the extreme weather. It messes with recovery efforts. It messes with the logistics of moving things across the state, much less across the country. I was reading the Courier-Journal this morning, which is the, the really the major newspaper in Kentucky, about the upcoming legislative session here and how quickly funding for just everything is becoming the dominant priority. We haven't had a full budget for a couple of years because of the pandemic. And so the legislature is going to have a lot of work to do in the normal course to work through the budget, but also because fortunately we have lots and lots of federal money coming into the state. Mm -hmm. We also have lots and lots of needs across the state and those needs span the storm damage in Western Kentucky to social workers, teachers, essential workers across the state government who haven't had a raise for a couple of years And we are in dire need of more people in those positions. So there is a lot of legislative work to do in Kentucky. And I imagine that's the situation in many legislatures across the country. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's so interconnected and intricately related to the next segment on COVID. It's like nothing is untouched one from the other. The staffing issue, the supply chain issues that come from a wave of COVID are going to affect recovery efforts. That come from extreme weather events and the, you know, even sheltering of people after extreme weather events are going to feed waves of COVID. It's just it's a lot. I feel like that's a, that's a, a really big energy to bring into a new year. The complexities of our interconnected crises. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. If 
if you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. Okay, Sarah, if you are like me, you just eat, sleep and breathe Omicron. Were you able to get a test? How long did you wait in line for your test? Was the test positive? Who have you been with that has COVID lately? How's your case of COVID? That's just, we're just living and breathing it here. Yeah, I heard on the daily this morning that three Americans test positive every second. Every second. That blew my mind, even though it shouldn't, because you're right. I mean, I had a friend test texting me this morning. Do you have any rapid tests I could buy? I had a church staffer feeling sick, not coming in on Sunday. Like, you know, we're all living and breathing it literally and figuratively because cases are up like 200 plus percent in the past two weeks. So Omicron, in case you hadn't heard, (laughs) is incredibly contagious and it is just about everywhere. It feels very much to me as I look around at my sort of just personal experience anecdotally that Omicron is sweeping up all the people that have successfully avoided COVID this far. And being in the bucket of people who have successfully avoided COVID thus far, I just am at peace with the fact that it's coming to us. Mm. Just coming soon to a silvers near you. I am certain that we will get it in some form. I'm not extremely worried about that. 
uh, because of the experiences that I'm watching unfold around me. I think I feel more like paranoid. What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be caring about? You know, I didn't sleep well last night. I woke up today with a scratchy throat and kind of a dull headache. And if I were talking to a friend who described how I felt to me, I would say like, I don't know, put some peppermints in your purse and carry on. It's uh-huh. It was 70 degrees. Now it's 30 degrees. It's January. You didn't sit down over the holidays. Like, I'm not worried for you. Uh, but then there's this voice in your head that's like, oh, should I keep my kids at home from school for 10 days? You know, it's it feels like we're living multiple versions of this pandemic at one time. And that's hard to to hold. Well, fun fact, it's not 10 days anymore. The day after Christmas, CDC reduced the isolation period from 10 days to five days. Except with, our school hasn't caught up. Oh, the school says says, says 10 days. Mm-hmm. Y'all are not test to stay. We are test to stay, except that over the holiday, they changed that test to stay where if it's in your household, you are no longer eligible. Oh, geez, Louise, what does that mean? That's a really so if excellent question. If you're exposed to school, you can come to test to stay, but if you're exposed in your household, you cannot. That's correct. I believe. That's how I read it. And the second change they made, fascinating, is that masks are still required at school and on the bus, but not at extracurricular activities. What? I don't know. What? I don't know. Hey, you know, we don't need more layers of requirements. Like the like you said, like living through like extra added up complexities, not helping anything. The CDC saying five days, but then for real wear a mask the last five days. OK, I know cute. it's That's precious. Cute. I just want to gather everybody and say, listen, I understand this is a hard job. Don't envy yeah. your job. I have so much respect for you. I'm so sorry about how stressful it is. Help a sister out. I cannot <laughs> keep up with where we are right now or what I'm supposed to care about or how seriously as a as a thrice vaccinated person, I'm supposed to be taking all of this at this point. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm busting on them because they're easy to bust on at this point. But I was reading and thinking a lot about the isolation requirements for vaccinated people already. I was reading those Atlantic articles that was like, why are vaccinated people still isolating for 10 days? I had already decided amongst my my family that I was going to be sticking to the Cornell protocol, which is like if you have a negative PCR on day, I think five and seven or three and five, who can keep up? But then you're then you don't have to isolate anymore, because I do think that 10 days for vaccinated people is just a recipe for people to avoid testing. Now, testing is easy to to avoid right now because there are no tests, which is probably why the CDC did not attach a testing requirement to set isolation restriction reduction. You know, I've posted a lot of tests on Instagram, and every time I get a message that's like, so jealous of your test. Look, my husband is an Eagle Scout. He has a sick ability to anticipate shortages. So we are, we, we're not, we're not hoarding them, but we do have a lot because there's five people in our house. So, but I, I mean, you said you cannot get them where you live at all. You cannot get a rapid test. Uh, the PCR testing appointments are very, very hard to come by. They're available, but you're going to wait a long time and people are having delays in getting their results because the system is so overwhelmed, which again makes me think, all right, well, if I got a scratchy throat and I didn't sleep well, do I need to add to the burden of these tests just to give myself a little bit of comfort when everybody right. in my house is vaccinated? I work from home. I do not interact on a regular basis with anyone I know to be immunosuppressed, right? right. It is easy for me to hang out in my house until I feel a little bit better. And that seems to me to be the right thing to do. I am very frustrated by this testing situation, I have to say. And I've been frustrated about it for a couple of years. So this isn't news. You've been very consistent. 
I have been very consistent. I understand that. Unlike the CDC. <laughs> and again, I don't think consistency is like a value on its own. So I'm I'm not mad at shifting guidance. I'm not even mad at saying we don't have enough tests, so we're not going to make that part of the requirement. There is a pragmatic reality to every aspect of how we deal with what's going on. But to me, rapid testing when you can get it is so easy to do at home. I get that there's a trade-off in terms of the data. I get that it's not 100% accurate. But zero tools that we have in our arsenal are 100%. Yeah, and what's the point of a PCR if by the time you get an appointment and you wait for the results, you're out of the five-day isolation requirement? Exactly. I read this piece from Vanity Fair. I know the Biden administration is angry about this piece and feels like it is a mischaracterization of what happened. But the piece talks about how in October... A group of scientists came to the White House and said, listen, it's going to be bad over the holidays. What we should do in advance is get all the rapid tests to the people so that everybody can test at home before the holidays. And the administration was more focused on vaccination. And there was discussion about how if you have unvaccinated people with easy, free access to rapid testing, then where's their incentive to get vaccinated? Oh, no, no, we don't do that. They don't reason up to fetchy. We don't do that. Exactly. No, no, exactly. We don't, do, we don't give them condoms because then they'll have unprotect. They'll have um, they'll have more sex. Thank no, no, you. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. That's but, stupid. But that's what we did. Apparently. Oh, man. According and to this. Piece. Look, the truth is, too, you know, it wasn't just vaccination. It was boosters. People were giving them crap for pushing boosters, which now seems very smart right. right like that they were in right. front of this booster thing so oh but that's that we know we don't do that we don't we don't give people and to be fair that. there was also concern about can we make that many tests and mm-hmm. do we have enough brands approved and there is disagreement about how accurate these tests are but there is also disagreement about how protected you are by different kinds of masks and we still say it's effective enough if it helps 50 yeah. percent great we'll take right. it and if adding rapid testing capabilities had helped 50% compared to where we are now with Omicron, I think looking back, everybody, including President Biden, who to his credit has said, wish we had done more, mm. you know, I think everybody would have said, let's take it. Well, and I think, you know, this testing situation is coming to play, not just because Omicron is so contagious, but I am telling you, I am convinced part of it is because there are also very contagious, awful viruses out there. COVID is not the only virus. Let me tell you, I experienced it firsthand when I contracted what I have termed the cold of doom for two weeks. I've had so many of y'all reach out on Instagram and say, I had it. (laughs) One listener was like, I got the full panel. I got COVID test, flu test, strep test. And they're like, it's rhinovirus. (laughs) It's just this, excuse me, bitch ass cold. That's awful. It lasts for two weeks. And I know, like, if people were like me, using up rapid tests, thinking they had COVID, when really it's just another virus. It's just a cold virus. But it's a ew, it's a nasty one. It is a nasty one. So I think that's part of it, too. We have a very contagious COVID virus. We also have a cold and flu season that's, like, fired back up that we weren't used to from last year. That's, you know, making people sick, keeping people home, and keeping people rapid testing. And I don't know how to be most supportive of healthcare workers who I know just feel like, can we catch a break literally mm-hmm. anywhere? 
And that I am concerned about that. That is my chief well, and, concern right now. How do and I? And they have caught a small break. It is milder. We have we are now seeing the data that we were waiting for for weeks that Omicron is milder. You know, physiologically, they think it's because it, it sort of hangs out in your nose, which is what makes it more contagious. But it doesn't go down into the deep parts of your lungs and cause scarring and causing issues. You know, hospitalizations are only up 30 percent, despite the fact that cases are up 200. And they think that's an undercount. And deaths have actually dropped. So there is a small break. Now, it's not for all parts of the country, um, but we are seeing data coming back. You know, the UK only had 57 deaths since it discovered Omicron in November. So that's heartbreaking for the 57 people. And we don't want to downplay the fact that lots more people are going to get COVID because Omicron is more contagious. And just, you know, statistically, that means more people are going to die. And it might mean, you know, that hospitalizations, they're only up 30 percent. But when you have that many more people getting COVID, it's still going to be a wave of people coming at the hospitals, just hopefully not as bad as Delta since Delta was much more severe. One of the pieces I read this morning said that really since the vaccines came out, the number of people who are going to be hospitalized and die is less of a scientific question and more of a cultural and political question. And that is really heartbreaking. And I do not want to take away from the severity of that at all. And I think that What I am so frustrated about and I'm struggling with, even though my struggles are very trite compared to people who have to be in the healthcare system all day, every day with unvaccinated people for whom milder can still be quite severe. And children who aren't vaccinated. And children who who aren't vaccinated yet or are not eligible for boosters yet. We did get good news this morning as we're recording that uh, boosters have been authorized. I don't even know if we should say boosters anymore. The third shot has been authorized. Mm -hmm. Third dose for older children. I'm just trying to figure out how to be a good citizen in this new landscape. And I don't feel like I have any answers on how to be a good citizen. I don't know if I should be testing and contributing to the burden on the testing system, if I should just lay low here, given my particular circumstances. I think that that is a a really difficult question. We do know that the administration is now moving forward with an emergency use authorization for a new at-home COVID-19 test. They have committed to establishing sometime this year a website where Americans can get free rapid tests sent to their homes. I'm not sure that any of that's going to happen soon enough for it to make much of a difference with Omicron. I mean, they think Omicron's supposed to peak some models around January 9th. It's like next week. So I don't know if it'll be soon enough for that. And, you know, I think that we have all learned a set of new skills throughout this pandemic, right? We've all learned how to manage our own anxiety, some of us better than others, some of us take it out on uh, support staff, not helpful. So all of us have learned how to sort of assess risk as best we can. So I think it feels like this really weird moment in the pandemic where I see a lot of my friends and family sort of individually like getting stronger, like feeling like they've got a better mental handle like they're exhausted they're frustrated like they don't like it but they are becoming better able at sort of adapting to the changing scenarios what i see in addition to that is like the institutions themselves are really buckling like this weird moment like i feel like in the beginning the institution stepped up when all of us were like oh my god what's going on but now where we're like, okay, I don't like this stupid pandemic that'll never end, but I, I have a, a decent handle on how to move about in it. 
And the like the institutions, particularly schools and hospitals, are airlines, you know, all the, these different institutions that not only support our sort of society, but our economy are really struggling. I mean, we saw thousands and thousands of airline cancellations. The messages that flow into our DMs from nurses and doctors and teachers who are like, I don't think you understand the level of burnout, the the low morale in our institutions, that's what's got me really, really concerned. And it's no wonder. None of those stories happen for a single reason, right? You can't even attribute all of that to Omicron. Or you can attribute it to Omicron plus. It's kind of like the hospitalization data is complicated because when do you have people who are hospitalized because of COVID versus with COVID? Mm-hmm. With the airline cancellations, you see those flights happening because of COVID plus weather plus decisions made by the airlines and how they're staffing, how many flights they're booking, you know, how they're using the resources that they have been given by the federal government to continue to operate uninterrupted or with fewer interruptions and still deciding to try to maximize profits in the midst of all of this. And, and I can't even be super mad about that because a paradigm shift needs to have something to shift to. You know, if you were to say to the airlines, hey, your chief objective right now is not maximizing profit for shareholders. Well, what is it? What is your chief objective now? And what's a sustainable chief objective for for businesses in, in these industries that really affect how our entire economy runs? We haven't had a pause to kind of reexamine and establish that new paradigm. So as as angry as I get reading some of the pieces about why these flight cancellations are happening when it really is about staffing too lean. I think about my time in business where staffing lean was the goal. It was like so much the goal that you didn't even talk about it. It's just Mm. in the water as this is what we try to do. And to to dig out of that is going to take a lot of time. Well, and I think it's this myth we've created, this narrative we tell ourselves that there's the economy the schools, the healthcare, when really it's just us. You know, we've talked about this great moment that Rob Bell talks about, I think in in Chariots of Fire, where they say, well, we are the committee. This is us. It is us. And I think that's what you're seeing. I think that some of what you're you're seeing is that individual sort of the, the great resignation, this I didn't survive a pandemic to do X, Y, and Z, this individual kind of strength bumping up against like, but what am I doing in the committee? Do I like my role in the committee? Do I like the the purpose of the committee? And when the answer is no, we're all facing the fact, oh, well, these institutions that we were talking about in these abstract ways are just composed of people. And maybe the people weren't happy inside the institutions. And so if we want the institutions to continue to serve us, then we need to take better care of the people within them instead of telling ourselves that it's this, you know, this this legal fiction we set up with corporations. Oh, it's a legal person. Uh, Maybe, but it's just composed of regular old people. Like, I think that that we're like we're hitting that 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 tension between the two where we want them to be this abstract thing. But really, they're just human beings. And if the human beings are not happy inside the institution, are not happy with the mission and purpose of the institution, are not happy with the requirements put on them by the institution, then we have to fix that. There's no there's no workaround. And even people who are 
perfectly aligned with the mission and vision of the institution, who are for the most part satisfied with how it runs and their role within it, everybody needs a break. Mm-hmm. The people who have the most opportunity to influence COVID, supply chain, healthcare, transportation, you name it right now. Everything is just stressed to its breaking point. So even where you have institutions that were running pretty well before all of this, it's just been a lot and it takes a lot of patience. And I think that's where that sense of strength or growth that you were describing seeing in your people really connects with me. I feel like certainly in my household and and most of the people around me, I see just a clearer sense of priorities mm-hmm. down to if I got COVID from attending this thing, it would be worth it to me because mm-hmm. this was really important to me. And this wouldn't, right? This set of circumstances would not be worth it. I'm willing to let that go for a while because I, I would not want to expose myself to risk in this situation. Those kinds of calculations, I do think everyone around me is getting better at doing. That said, it's because people I spend time with in my life are vaccinated. And another thing that I'm trying to take from all of this, especially in the current moment, and again, this is where I get frustrated with the administration. I I think I'm getting better at just accepting that some people aren't going to get vaccinated. They're just not. Yep. And it doesn't matter what I think about the reasons for that. In some reason, in some ways, it doesn't matter what the reasons are. They're just not going to. Okay. What are we going to do about that now? What steps are we going to take to continue to move forward? Because we did put, you know, all of our eggs as a nation in the basket of getting everybody vaccinated or getting a huge part of the population vaccinated. And we did get a lot of people. It's a it's a miracle. Right. We have the vaccines. Lots and lots of people have gotten them. Hooray. And it we have not done it to the extent that we hoped. So now what? Yeah. It feels a little bit like. We're finally abandoning this this fiction that our society, economy, institutions have been like, well, let's just get us to the break. You know, no, no hatred to breaks. We just got off a two week break. It was much needed. I enjoyed every minute of it, except when I was not suffering from the cold of doom. And so breaks are important. But this idea that, like, we're just going to survive to this next moment is not how you build, you know, holistic, healthy functioning institutions in society is just pushing people to the next break. Just leave it all in the field, guys. Just get to the next break. Like, no, that's not (laughs) that's not going to do it. I feel like that's kind of what we're running up against now is like this burnout of like, we'll just get past the pandemic. We'll just get. But and now we're seeing like, well, that's not going to be a thing, is it? So what does that mean if there's not going to be some big release, some big break where we can all sit back and recover? Because that's not really how life works. I think you're totally right about the vaccinated unvaccinated reality. I was thinking about that in a totally other context, which is another sort of stressor out there, which is January 6th. We're going to talk about this a lot more on Friday's episode with Olivia Beavers. But, you know, NPR had this poll this morning and it was like two thirds of people think democracy is in danger. And I thought I knew for sure where those numbers were coming from were coming from Democrats, but they were coming from Republicans who sincerely believed the election was stolen. And I thought, well, we can keep tisking them and shaming them and rolling our eyes, or we can deal with the fact that thousands and thousands of our fellow Americans feel like the system failed them. Or we can deal with the reality that thousands and thousands of our fellow Americans are not going to get vaccinated. And if a democracy is based on, you know, not shaming people to agree with you, but dealing with that disagreement in a nonviolent, 
you know, cooperative way, then the first step has got to just be acknowledging where people are and accepting that instead of wishing them away or shaming them away or, you know, just being angry at them constantly. I'm definitely done with that, being angry at them constantly. And I think that that's, you know, that's our reality in so many areas in American life right now. Well, I am certain this won't be our last conversation about COVID or democracy or systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are definitely going to return, as Sarah was just saying, to January 6th and that anniversary as it approaches and what it means for us. And I think we'll be talking about the strength of U.S. democracy throughout the year. But please be sure to join us on Friday for a conversation with Olivia Beavers from Politico. We spoke with Olivia shortly after the January 6th attack on the Capitol last year. And so we wanted to follow up with her a year later and are um, honored that we'll be able to do so. Next up, we're just going to chat about what we've been doing for two weeks. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin. I take a probiotic. And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. 
Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Right, Sarah, how was your winter break? It was really good, except for the cold of doom. When did you get the cold of doom? Um, when we got back from New York City. My husband okay. had it before we left. He then gave it to me. I spent several days resenting him. I understand that this is neither scientific nor productive, um, but I don't care. I was just really mad at him for giving me this cold. I was successfully holding it off, I think. But then I switched to a different type of vitamin C that really hurt my stomach. So I stopped taking it. And I think that's when it snuck in. But I didn't get it till I got back. So I had a fantastic time in New York City. We did have one of our Broadway shows was canceled, but it actually worked out great because we were going to try to squeeze in Rockefeller Center in like an hour. I don't know what I was thinking. That would have been a disaster with lots of yelling and stress. Instead, we had just the whole afternoon to enjoy it. We just had a very sort of picture-perfect trip through New York City Christmas with trips to the Rockefeller, ice skating. We took a limo ride a la Home Alone 2, had pizza in our limo ride as we drove around and looked at the lights. Uh, We did get to see Lion King. So we just had the most amazing trip to New York City. And then we came back on the 20th, um, had some time to settle down and chill out and had a really, really great Christmas. Got to do all our our Christmas traditions. Uh, We did have two big family gatherings sort of canceled because of uh, COVID, which was sad. But overall, I have no complaints. We had a really, really lovely holiday. How about you? I've been so excited to hear about your trip to Orlando. It was great. So we surprised our kiddos who are almost 11 and 6 when they got off the bus from their last day of school uh, we had an amazing race envelope tucked into the wreath on our door because they love the amazing race. Um, and we were sort of off. We didn't tell them immediately where we were going. Just we had them pack suitcases for a warm vacation. The next morning on the way to the airport, we revealed that we were going to Orlando, but they still didn't know that we were going to hit both Universal and Disney properties. Um, so we did two days at Universal and then three days in the Disney properties. We hit all four you of the had parks. a very intense schedule we pounded i had never done it like pavement. that we pounded we the only pavement. do like day on day off day on day off listen we didn't take breaks we got up to go to the early admission at the parks and we came home when it was bedtime and it was so fun it was so fun i had dreaded honestly taking my kids to disney for a very long time it just sounded like a lot of work what made it not a lot of work is that my friend from high school andrea is a travel person for Disney and she just planned it for us. I didn't have to learn things. She gave me detailed instructions, including like, go here and order this. Okay. So she broke it all down. I printed her instructions. I put them on a clipboard and I packed the clipboard. You're not carrying clipboard around Disney. 
I didn't carry it around Disney, but I, I read it every morning in my hotel before we left. <laughs> um, and we did it as easy as we could. We stayed on property. You know, we just we were like there to see it all and do it all. And we close to saw it all and did it all. But it was really fun. The girls had a great time. I had been worried that Jane was too old for a trip like this, that we had waited too long. She was the perfect age. She could handle waiting in line. She enjoyed and appreciated everything. She was tall enough to ride everything. It was great. Ellen had a lot of fun. It was a little harder for her. You know, you're just, she's a smaller body. So the steps are harder for her and the patience is harder for her. And making sure she's gone to the bathroom at a time that makes sense is harder for her. Um, But we all really had a good time. It was so nice to be away right before Christmas and not use that week before Christmas to shop, wrap, cook, clean. So I did a lot of those things when we got back. We got back on the 23rd. On the 24th, we did two Christmas Eve services at church. On the 25th, we went to my in-laws. On the 26th, we went to my parents. It was bananas. And when we got back from that, I have been cleaning out my house big time. So I have not said I did not read a book. I did not watch a movie like I have gone, gone, gone. But it's been kind of the energy I was looking for. It's been kind of nice. I did a lot of that before I left. And then I got with the cold of doom. I watched a lot of TV. I watched all of Hawkeye. We finished Hawkeye last night. I have been watching that at night. It's really good. I watched Power of the Dog, Jane Champion's new movie with Benedict Cumberbatch. I watched. Um, then I started watching. I started. I, I invented a new Ben Jane strategy i couldn't decide which i wanted to binge so i just watched one episode of each in a row so i've been watching the great station 11 have you heard of station 11 Mm-mm. oh it's a new pandemic show fun fact but everybody dies 999 out of a thousand people die but every critic i read was like listen i know it sounds bananas that i'm telling you to watch a pandemic show but you have to watch the show and it, it, it's it's mainly about like the 20 years after the pandemic and it's very good and then I watch an episode of Succession. So I'm, I'm working my way through Succession oh, as we good. talked about. I've only watched one episode, so we're going to be on the same schedule then. I'll try yeah, to so pick I'm it only, up. I'm only on like episode three. Okay. And then I watched The Lost Daughter, which is Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut with Olivia Coleman about motherhood. And it's fantastic. So I actually watched a lot of TV, read a lot of books, but also did a lot of like stuff. Get out of my house. Bye-bye. See you later. So much stuff out of my house. Ellen's room, I cleaned out uh, the week before we left for Orlando. I had 15 garbage bags of stuff from Ellen's room. And then I took what feels like an entire house worth of stuff to my sister for my niece from Ellen's stuff. I don't know. I think her room must be like Mary Poppins bag. You know, it looks like it's a certain size, but it really never ends in its capacity to hold things. But it feels so good, so much better. My Christmas stuff is packed away. My baseboards are clean. Like, I'm ready to go. Here we are. Are you enjoying the new year? Have you started off with any exciting new New Year routines? I'm doing all the journals. I have all my brand new journals cracked open and ready to go. I journaled for, like, seriously, two to three hours. Because that unravel your year is not a short one. It takes a while. It's several pages. So I did several hours of that on December 31st and several hours of that on December, on January 1st, and I'm loving it. I'm loving the new year, but of course, I'm still celebrating the 12 days of Christmas. We're on day 10, I think, as we're recording. So we're getting close to Epiphany, but it's just my, it's, it's my most favorite time of year. I just love the, like, 12 days of Christmas, New Year's. It's the, it's the most fun. Well, I hosted New Year's Eve, which was really, really fun. It did not leave me a lot of time for journaling and reflection, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. 
And then uh, January 1st, I spent some time with Unravel Your Year because I think we shared this when we talked with Maggie and Elise about rituals, but I really like doing Unravel Your Year because you do it too. And I think it generates some really good discussions between the two of us that are super helpful. I also just like this cleaning energy. I Mm. cleaned out my closet this morning between the hours of five and seven when I wish I had been sleeping, but I just couldn't. But you thought you had COVID. Um, But I thought I had COVID (laughs) for a few minutes. And so I thought I dealt with that by getting rid of lots of sweaters. Um, No, I I feel good about just getting my house in order and kind of getting my thoughts in order about where we're going to be this year. But the truth is what the journaling has revealed to me. changing magic of tidying up. Some would call it that. Some would say that. Uh, it does spark joy for me. What has become clear to me in all of the reflection that I've tried to pack into that cleaning time is I don't know what this year is going to be. I just don't mm-hmm. know. And yep. it's hard to plan much when there are so many question marks out there. But that feels pretty good, too, actually. I feel like the journaling uncovered for me that I don't have a lot of complaints in my life right now. Yeah, me either. And we hope you don't either as you start a new year. With us here at Pantsy Politics, because whatever it is, whatever our complaints, whatever our struggle, I think what we've learned here in the past several years at Pantsy Politics and what I hope we learn again in 2022 is that we're in it together. And that's what matters. Yes, this has definitely not been true every year of my life, and I am so grateful Mm. for it in this season. So if you are not feeling that as you listen, what I want you to know is we've been there, too. And Mm -hmm. uh, there are days ahead of all of us that are going to be filled with struggle and with joy. And we are excited to navigate them together. We will be back with you here on Friday to talk about January 6th. It'll be an important episode. We hope that you'll join us then. And until then, have the best week available to you. Pantsuit Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Maggie Penton is our Community Engagement Manager. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Molly Kors. The Creeps! Lori Ladau, Lily McClure, Jared Minson, Emily Neasley, The Pettins, Tawny Peterson, Tracy Putoff, Sarah Ralph, Jeremy Sequoia, Katie Steigers, Karen True, Annika Uveline, Nick and Elisa Valelli, Amy Whited, Melinda Johnston, Ashley Thompson, Michelle Wood, Joshua Allen, Morgan McHugh, Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller. Sorry, Simeon, I got this. My thing came up. GarageBand stopped and was like, do you want to use your AirPods? No, weirdo. They're in the other room. That's, <laughs> that's a new one.